Purdue football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. Who hits the road for the first time this season, looking to climb above 500 in what will likely be the biggest non-conference test of the season. Purdue and Syracuse will battle in the Dome noon on Saturday. I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Dean Hard here, Brian Newbert by, Alan Carpick too for Gold and Black Radio's pregame show. We'll break it all down for you in about the next 45 minutes or so. All right, Tom, big one uh, Saturday in New York, Purdue and Syracuse. Man, uh, a lot of people favoring the orange. In fact, that line has moved uh, a little bit um, toward uh, Syracuse. Maybe a slight favorite at this point. We'll see what it ends up being at kickoff. But uh, this is a big game for the Boilermakers. Yeah, big one, Kyle. You know, they let one get away against Penn State. I think most people would agree with that statement. And then, of course, last week they uh, played an overmatched FCS school in Indiana State. So now they hit the rope for the first time playing a 2-0 Syracuse team that's feeling pretty good about itself, Kyle. So the Dome could be packed up there. Again, a lot of excitement, a dynamic running back, a rising product, uh, talent, and a quarterback for Syracuse too. So this would be a stern test too for that offense of the Boilermakers, Kyle, going against a very unconventional Syracuse defense that plays a 3-3-5 alignment. So plenty of challenges loom. This game before the season, we felt like, you know, Purdue probably would be somewhere in a three to five point favorite. Syracuse was coming off a five and seven year. Seemed just sort of, you know, like the program was was sort of spinning its wheels. What has changed for Syracuse that has allowed uh, the Orange to be a little bit better here in the first couple of weeks than what was anticipated? Yeah, listless is a good way to describe the program recent years under Dino Babers. Hadn't had a winning record since 2018. I think there's a sense of urgency this year up there, Kyle. Tell you what, the big thing for Syracuse has been the offense, and that's really been sparked by uh, a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback coach. Each came from Virginia. Of course, Bronco Mendenhall was a coach in Charlottesville. He retired. Dino Babers hires Robert and I who's the coordinator. That was the big hire. And again, he's really sort of developed this quarterback, Garrett Schrader, uh, developed him as a passer, Kyle. Uh, but make no mistake about it, he's a dual threat signal caller, 6'4", 228. He's a load, can run the read option. If Purdue focuses too much on trying to stop that star Syracuse tailback, Sean Tucker, this Garrett Schrader can, can hurt you. So again, that's been the big change for Syracuse has been the offense and the arrival of the new coordinator, Robert and I. I personally feel like Purdue's in a good spot here because it just feels like everyone outside of West Lafayette loves Syracuse right now in this game. Yeah. Doesn't it feel yeah. that way? It kind of does. You know, this sort of maybe a flavor of the month. They've uh, they've gotten some momentum. They beat Louisville handily in the opener, 31-7, to and they squashed Connecticut on the road. And, uh, yeah, they're a little bit of a darling, I think, uh, so, yeah, Purdue obviously is coming in as, as a, what, what looks to be as a slight underdog. Um, there's some pressure on each of these teams to win this ballgame, obviously. So Purdue's not pressure-free, but, uh, again, uh, just a great opportunity, right? Sometimes, Kyle, when you go on the road, you've done this a long time, you get that circle the wagons mentality, yeah. that us against the world mentality. And to your point, Kyle, we spoke to Mark Hagan this week, and he said, hey, I reminded my guys that we're the underdog now. 
So I, I guarantee you that, that that message is being delivered and Purdue's going to go up there with a nice chip on his shoulder knowing that everybody uh, out there thinks they are the underdog in this ball game as, as, as kickoff approaches at noon on Saturday. Purdue's won three of its last four away from ross right? And in two of those, they were the underdog? Is that right? I believe so. You know, I know they were five and two on the road last year, the most wins away from ross since 1943 so yeah they've uh they've had a lot of success on the road and you know what kyle if you look at the depth chart the roster for purdue it seems like it's built to continue that success away from home i say that because there's a lot of veterans a lot of upper classmen mm-hmm. on this depth chart up and down on both sides of the ball so do you think that would maybe insulate Purdue from maybe some of the roller coaster experiences you can have when you go away from home, especially for the first time, and Kyle especially, in what could it be a very raucous environment in a dome? You know, Purdue has not played in the dome since that 2017 opener against Louisville, Jeff Brom's first game as a coach. So all week long, Kyle, we're going over for practices to talk to players, and the music is just cranking louder. Uh, and then you can imagine inside the Molenkoff Center, they practice indoors all week with the with the volume cranked up to uh, to that old uh, uh, 11 mark out of 10. And uh, they really wearing their amps out this year. And, and again, uh, trying to get used, in, used to and accommodated to a, a, what could be a real chaotic environment. That makes the injury to King Doru even uh, more difficult, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you know, King does a lot of things. Well, not sure that he's a uh, great at any one of them, but he, he's well-rounded as a running back. And one of the things that he does well is he picks up blitzes and yeah. blocks pretty well back there. Not having him back there in an environment where it is loud, somebody might come free, man, that just feels like that's a, a big loss. And injuries are starting to add up now a little bit for Purdue. You make a great point. You're right, especially in, in what could be a chaotic, chaotic situation. You don't want to lose your head and, Sometimes inexperienced players, that can happen to you. You can miss that blitz pickup on on third and eight, get your quarterback hit hard. And, and uh, yeah, King Drew will be missed. And that, that's one of the biggest uh, areas he'll be missed at, Kyle, like you pointed out. Dylan Downing is the new number one. I'm sure we'll see plenty of, of Kobe Lewis. Kyle, maybe we'll even see your guy, Devin, Devin Mockaby, a little bit. Who knows? And also, Kyle, I would not be shocked if we see maybe Tyron Tracy use a little bit more carrying the football just to help sort of fill that void mm-hmm. that's been created with, with, with King Drew's absence. And Kyle, you know, they hope to get him back next week against Florida Atlantic, but he may miss that game too, but they, they do hope to have him back for sure by October 1st when they go to Minnesota. Yeah. All right, much more to go on the uh, podcast. We get set for the game on Saturday, including thoughts from Brian Newbert. We'll talk to Alan Carpick about the Big Ten and a historical look at this series they have played before. We remember that one. Well, gosh, that was a long time ago now. Went very well uh, for the Boilermakers on that Sunday afternoon. That and much more coming up on Gold and Black Radio. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are heading to New York to take on Syracuse inside the JMA Wireless Dome, so the weather shouldn't be too much of a factor for the game. If you'll be taking the trip to Syracuse, the weather looks fairly decent for the game day. 8 a.m. temperatures will be in the upper 50s to lower 60s with partly sunny conditions, so any pregame activities look to be in good shape. 
Moving to kickoff around noon, temperatures will be in the mid to upper 70s with mostly sunny skies and a light south wind, 5 to 10 miles per hour throughout the game. High temperatures should occur near the end of the game, which should be in the lower 80s in sunny conditions. Overall, looks like weather should cooperate for some Boilermaker football. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel, Boiler Up and Hammer Down. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Heading to see the Boilermakers take on the Wisconsin Badgers on October 22nd. Sign up to win four tickets in an overnight stay at Sand Valley, a Midwest resort located just an hour and a half from Madison. Complimentary shuttle to the game is included. Visit sandvalleypursuits.com to enter. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. Hey, we're pleased to be joined by Brent Axe of Syracuse.com and ESPN Radio Syracuse. Brent is going to drop some Syracuse knowledge on us as the Boilermakers prepare to invade, uh, I guess, upstate New York and and take on the Orange. Uh, Brent, thank you very much for joining us, sir. I guess a great place to start is kind of give our fans an idea of what to expect from the Syracuse offense. Well, that's a great question, Tom, because we're all learning together out here at Syracuse as well. They've got a new offensive coordinator in Robert and I, a new Jason, a new quarterback coach, pardon me, and Jason Beck, who came over from Virginia. And uh, what you can expect is a lot of Sean Tucker. You know, Sean Tucker, who set the single season rushing mark last year at Syracuse, he's been one of the more dynamic running backs they've had in years. And, you know, you're certainly aware of the rich history of running backs here at Syracuse. But the exciting thing has been that Anai and Beck have come in and have completely revitalized Garrett Schrader as a passer. He's the third uh, rated passer in the country in terms of accuracy right now. Syracuse has a lot more pre-snap motion and and formations and routes and things that we just haven't seen. And uh, we're all kind of learning together what uh, the new wrinkles Robert Anai is bringing to the table. So what he did at Virginia is kind of a good base. You know, that air raid offense you ran there, but it is it has not been a duplicate. There's been some things we've seen here that uh, we're seeing for the first time. It's been actually it's been pretty exciting. Now, defensively, Brent, um, tell us exactly what Syracuse wants to try to accomplish on that side of the ball. Tony White runs a three three five defense here at Syracuse. And that has been just uh, speaking of exciting. That's been a, a fun thing to watch here. Uh, their takeaways have really jumped this year, Tom. They only had uh, seven takeaways all of last season, which was, I think, second to last in the country, if not uh, near dead last in the country. They have five takeaways so far. The main guys to watch on defense, I'll give you a few. Mikel Jones is an all-ACC linebacker, had 60 solo tackles last year, which led the ACC. He uh, had a chance to go to the NFL draft but chose to come back. Same thing with uh, Garrett Williams, who's a cornerback for the Orange, uh, one of the best in the ACC, certain NFL prospect, and, and one of the best lockdown corners they've had in years. And they've had some good players out of that secondary, Tom. Andre Sisco is currently in Jacksonville, Ify Mellon Fonwu, currently with Detroit. Garrett's going to be the next in line. Deuce Chestnut is a, a great up-and-coming player. He had a spectacular freshman season for Syracuse last year. So Williams and, and Chestnut are 
as good as it gets when it comes to, you know, pairing corners up in the ACC. So those are the main names. But that 3-3-5 defense is always interesting because, you know, causes a lot of confusion for opposing offenses. I'm curious to see how aggressive they're going to be coming at Aiden O'Connell this week and what their approach is going to be because their defensive line is pretty uh, fresh. It's all new. They, they lost five or six guys from last year. So we're seeing a bunch of, of new players out there. Steve Linton and uh, Caleb Ochuku have been the standouts there so far. But uh, White's 3-3-5 approach, is, uh, it's aggressive. It's fun to watch, and it's uh, always interesting to see how opposing offenses try to adjust to it. Okay, Brent, there's got to be a lot of excitement out there. Syracuse is, is 2-0. and um, I know this is a big year for Dino Babers. I imagine it's going to be a loud crowd on Saturday. How do you see the game unfolding? I'll tell you what. The crowd was excellent in game one for the Orange. They hosted Louisville Saturday night primetime, and they forced Malik Cunningham, who's a darn good quarterback, into some false starts early in the game. And he played one of his worst games I've seen as a Louisville quarterback. So you can expect a loud crowd, probably about 45,000 people in the JMA Wireless Dome. And I I expect some fireworks, Tom. I mean, to have Jeff Brom come in, Dino Babers was talking earlier this week about how he uh, has played, uh, has coached against Jeff Brom and, and, and loves matching up against him. I expect some fireworks. I expect a back-and-forth offensive game here. I think that as good as the Syracuse defense has been, you know, Aiden O'Connell is as good as it gets and quarterbacks they're going to face, and he's going to make some plays. And I expect the same from the Syracuse offense and – while the defense has been good this year, they've uh, only given up 21 points and has been pretty locked down. I think this this is kind of a step up in competition that they've seen. So I would I'll be surprised, Tom, if we don't see uh, anything but a, a back and forth game and, and some fireworks in the dome Saturday afternoon. Well, Brent Axe, thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us and educating us on Syracuse. Hopefully, like you said, it's a good game Saturday, and uh, we look forward to seeing you up there. My pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event at the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill and Downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring in Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers and the Orange, a big game in the stadium formerly known as the Carrier Dome. Uh, this is a big one for Purdue. 
Brian, and a, a game sort of that I think a lot of people, maybe us included, had circled as a automatic Purdue victory before the season started. Now suddenly Syracuse looks better than what we anticipated. The Orange likely will be a very narrow favorite at noon on Saturday. But it feels like a game, you know, if Purdue is to take another step forward this season and as a program, it feels like a game that they need to be able to go over there and find a way to get a victory in. Yeah, Purdue's had a lot of success away from Ross State Stadium here the last couple of years, uh, obviously. Um, but this one I don't think is going to be a picnic. Obviously, Syracuse is down from, you know, when Syracuse historically has been pretty good at football. That I think those days of, you know, Dino Babers did win 10 games a few years ago. Um, but that was kind of a that was kind of the exception, not the rule in terms of Syracuse's modern history. But um this is a big test you know, for Purdue, this is kind of, this feels like one of those games where Purdue might not be the favorite, but if Purdue loses, everyone's going to melt down um, just because of where Purdue has been here uh, or what everyone assumed about this game coming, kind of coming into the year. Um, You know, good opportunity for Purdue here to set a tone for big 10 play. I've always felt, felt like Syracuse is sort of like, you know, I don't want to say it's like a Big Ten style of football, but I think it, it's closer to a Big Ten program than if you went to like, you know, they went to Nevada a couple of years ago. They went to Missouri yeah. a few years ago, you know, kind of things like that. I think this is a this is kind of a new experience for Purdue. This is a quality opponent. Um, you know, I, I don't know how good Syracuse is. They're winning uh, them beating Louisville. I think, you know opened a lot of people's eyes, especially the gambling community. And that's probably why the. Uh, <laughs> why the line has moved um, as it has the last couple weeks, but um, you know, Purdue's got to play well, and this is a, this is much closer to Penn state than it is Indiana state, obviously. And uh, not having your home field behind you is going to kind of challenge these guys and, you know, make them get better, uh, but also reveal a lot of things that, um, you know, probably need to be revealed kind of headed into big 10 play. Purdue has been good on the road. Um, the last year, it won five games, I think, away from Ross Aid Stadium last season. Any idea why they've been such a good team uh, away? I think the quarterback play probably has a little bit to do with it. Aiden O'Connell is a guy that seems to not be too upset by the environment that he is in. But also Purdue has some other veterans, it seems like, uh, on its roster that probably do a good job away from home. Yeah, I think it's probably had more to do with matchups than anything. I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, Purdue's success on the road, you know, we're probably uh, centrally focused on the Iowa game last year. And, you know, it's been well documented how well Purdue matches up with Iowa in terms of what it does offensively as, you know, in relation to what Iowa does defensively. That's the big one that, 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 sort of jumps out. Obviously, Purdue's had some success at Nebraska. Nebraska has been not so good uh, the last couple of years. Um, not to take anything away from what Purdue has done here, but also, that, yeah. you know, we're not that far from removed from Purdue going to Nevada a couple of years ago and, mm-hmm. you know, having that game won and, you know, kind of furthering it away and um, that kind of setting a bad tone for that whole season. Um, so, I, I you know, they have had some success away from Ross Aid Stadium. I think they're probably a better team in Ross Aid Stadium. I think it stands to reason that any team would be. Um, 
but I think it, it it's largely been circumstantial why Purdue has been so good away from Ross State Stadium and how this game fits into that. I don't know. Uh, you know, if you have a you have a quarterback who can run like Garrett like Garrett Schrader can, you know, that's a little bit uh, of a concern because you. Uh, I, I've always thought Purdue, and this is not exactly a outside the box take in football. It's that if, if you can make an opponent one dimensional offensively, they're much easier to defend and Purdue's done an okay job doing that here the last couple of years in terms of taking away part of what an offense wants to do and then really teeing off on the other part of it. Mm -hmm. um, if this Garrett Schrader guy is the running threat and the throwing threat that he seems to be, and this Sean Tucker guy is pretty good. And this offensive line is big and physical and all that stuff. That's a lot of stuff to worry about. I think Purdue's got to be really active in its in its defensive front. I think they have to make those big offensive linemen get to spots and move. And, you know, uh, Purdue needs to be really disruptive. And uh, I think this is a good test for Purdue's defense uh, as much as it is its offense. Thanks, Brian. No problem. Let's take a break. We'll come back more on the Golden Black Radio pregame show. Eat pizza and support a Boilermaker student-athlete. Try the Aiden's Air Raid at AZ Pizza this September to support Aiden O'Connell and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Aiden even stole one out of the AZ playbook with the addition of Grippo's potato chips on top of his signature creation. Visit azippizza.com. That's A-Z-Z-I-P-P-I-Z-Z-A dot com. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's bring in Alan Karpik to talk a little bit of Big Ten football in our Big Ten Roundup, five games that we are looking at outside the one at Syracuse. So let's take a look at five, uh, Al, starting off with uh, the big one in Lincoln, uh, a new era for the Cornhuskers as Nebraska hosts number six, Oklahoma, the Sooners favored by 11 points in this game that will kick off at noon on Saturday. Mickey Joseph takes over as the interim head coach of the Cornhuskers after the Scott Frost era came to an end. I was going to say an abrupt end, but I'm not sure that it was. Uh, maybe here after three weeks, it came to an end a little bit sooner this year than what we expected, but I think a lot of people perhaps anticipated that it would have come to an end at some point, maybe uh, three weeks from now. But uh, the Cornhuskers, um, man, that was a rough game last week. This one could be a difficult one on Saturday. We'll see how, sort of how they respond to a new head coach. Yeah, and, and the turbulence slash turmoil around that situation. I mean, there's no – it's just really a tough game to predict. You know, it will, will Nebraska come up? and be in a situation where their backs against the wall and respond. Will Oklahoma 
deal with a defense that gave up what 575 yards and 45 points last week to uh, to uh, Georgia Southern. You know that's the, the the real question. I think the emotion of the game could carry Nebraska early on, uh, but Oklahoma, which has not been exactly aces under Brett Venables just yet, uh, but and this was a very close game last year, and it's it is a rivalry, um, but. I still think at the end of the day, Oklahoma gets the job done. A big game at Auburn uh, with the Tigers hosting number 22, Penn State. Uh, the Nittany Lions 2-0 and on the season, favored by 3. This game kicks off at 3.30 on Saturday. I think, Alan, there's a chance that Penn State's a little bit better than what we all thought that it was coming into that Purdue game. And that we might look back on that Purdue loss later on in the season and feel like, man, that Penn State team was pretty good and Purdue gave them a – a good run. I think we'll find out a little bit more about the Nittany Lions this weekend. Exactly. In, in an environment, it's the first time that Auburn's ever hosted a Big Ten team in Jordan-Hare, as they say, down there. And I think, I don't know about Penn State. I just was so, uh, and maybe it's the Purdue blinders on. You just weren't all that impressed. You just felt like Purdue should have won that game. That's stating the obvious. But uh, you're right. If Penn State's going to make it, make a run under James Franklin this year. This is a huge game for it. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it was a tight game last year, Penn State winning 28 to 20 in a game that was really close uh, down the stretch. But uh, is Sean Clifford good enough to pull a little magic out of there? He shredded Auburn last year. I think he had, what, 28 of 32 passes in that game. Uh, he hasn't been all that good since. He was great in the last two minutes against Purdue. Pretty pedestrian outside of that. I, I kind of like Auburn in this game. I don't know why. I guess maybe just the home field. And maybe I'm not impressed. But if you're a Purdue fan, and most of you guys listening to this uh, uh, show are, uh, it would be good for Purdue to Penn State, for Penn State to go down and beat Auburn. There are four primetime games Saturday in the Big Ten. I, I can't personally remember four primetime games on the same yeah. Saturday. Uh, let's talk about three of them, starting with number 11, Michigan State, traveling uh, out west to Washington. Washington, a three-point favorite over the Spartans. Number 11, Michigan State? Really? Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, this will be an interesting game to see whether the Spartans are actually the 11th best team in the country, in my opinion. Exactly. And I and I think also Washington is trying to wash the stain out of what it has been the last year or two. They came out and have been pretty good offensively early on. Again, Michigan State's another one of those teams I'm just not all that sold on. Why? I saw them in Ross State Stadium in last November and Purdue beat them by 11 and should have beaten them by three to four touchdowns. So yeah. that's hard to hard to change that. Uh, boy, Washington, I think at home, it just might get Michigan State. Michigan State, somebody I read somewhere had not won a game. It must be a regular season game uh, west of the Rockies since 1957. That's even before I was born, Kyle. So uh, their track record out there has nothing to do with this year's team, but an interesting sidelight that the Spartans uh, have struggled in regular season games uh, west of the Rockies. And last time I checked, Washington is west of the Rockies. So there you go. <laughs> Last time I checked as well. Uh, another 7.30 start in Iowa City. The Hawkeyes uh, are one and one. <laughs> I got trolled all week. That was just maybe the most excellent trolling of a football team in the history of, of Twitter and of Cameo, yeah. I think. Uh, Nevada comes in two and one. The Wolfpack gave up something like 650 yards uh, last week. Iowa, it, it might take them about six games to have 650 yards. 
We'll see if the Hawkeyes, with Spencer Petra still as the quarterback and Brian Ferenc still calling the plays, will have any more success against the Nevada defense that seems to give up a bunch of yards. That said, Iowa is favored by 24. The over-under in this game is only 39 and a half. That's pretty wild. Uh, it's pretty wild to have an over-under 39 and a half and one team be favored by 24. Uh, but we'll see with Iowa whether they can make any progress here offensively or not. Well, guaranteed that Iowa will score some strange number of points, uh, maybe another couple safeties, and and they'll score twenty nine points or something like that in the game. Went twenty nine to eight. Is that what that, that sound right? You know, in Nevada, I'm still stinging from Purdue's Purdue's loss out there three years ago. Can't believe that one went south as fast as it did. But Iowa, I, you got to think they're going to find a way to at least score enough and and win there. It's a proud program. They're obviously really good defensively. And I think I think Iowa will get enough uh, to reach that 29-point threshold this week. 7.30 start at Maryland. Uh, the Terps hosting SMU. Both teams are 2-0. and uh, Maryland's a slight favorite in this one, two and a half points. The Terps are still one of those teams that I'm circling on Purdue's schedule as a scary, dangerous opponent being on the road. Terp a team that can score a little bit, good quarterback play. Uh, you know, this will be a, a challenge for them, I think, at home, just being that narrow favorite. The over-under in this one, by the way, is 73. Might be a track me uh, back and forth, which it might be here in a month when Purdue goes there as well. But an interesting Maryland team, I think. Yeah, Maryland is interesting and dangerous. You just don't know where Mike Locksley, whether that program, which way it's going necessarily. Uh, but they love to throw the football. I do agree that it'll be a dangerous game. You know, you kind of looked at Purdue's schedule before the season. You, in the Syracuse game and the Maryland game, you said, ah, you're probably going to get through those. And now it just doesn't seem that way that it's going to be that easy. And, and that maybe is just a, our inability to – properly look at a schedule and look at it reasonably but smu has been good enough defensively uh but they played north texas and lamar and their past defense has been good but uh i think that uh, uh maryland with its passing offenses which is really good and going to cause a lot of teams some problems uh will will win the day out there maryland could win this game 50 to 20 or lose this game 50 to 20 and i would be <laughs> surprised by neither outcome that's right. And, and Maryland's just a hard team to figure out. And uh, that's been kind of the story of his, of, of uh, how they've been under really the last several years. And that's what's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Tolua Taga, I can never pronounce his name, is uh, what is he averaging 11 yards per game per attempt. They can score. And that's what's going to be an interesting game. Uh, when you have an over under 73 points, they're expecting scoring in that game. That is the Big Ten Roundup for week three. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. All right, now let's take a historical view at Purdue and Syracuse. I think a lot of us remember the game back in 2004 in Ross-Aid Stadium. Kyle Orton and the Boilermakers sort of uh, had their way with Syracuse 51 to nothing in that game that was on a Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon, uh, national television, Taylor Stubblefield had a huge game. Kyler, Kyle Orton started slow in that game. Then he hit Brian Hare. Remember Brian Hare? 75-yard touchdown in the second quarter, or at the end of the first quarter. Still, 51-0 was, was uh, pretty astounding. 
against its Syracuse team that ended up not winning a game that year, but that's because it had to vacate a bunch of games because of NCAA stuff. But that's still an impressive win for Purdue in front of a national audience. 51 love on that uh, Labor Day Sunday game. When you lose the game 51 to nothing during a season, you also have to vacate games, then something has gone. <laughs> yeah, it went wrong. Cheat better. Uh, yeah. First game for Purdue in the state of New York since 1941. That was a few years ago. It was a few years ago. I, and I always worry when I bring out notes like that, that I can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. And I miss an obvious game, but the Purdue's not played at the University of Buffalo. They haven't played at Syracuse yet. All the games are were in New York City. And I'm not sure exactly from the history. Noble Kaiser was the coach through several of them and why Purdue had that connection of playing in Yankee Stadium at the Polo Grounds. They played New York University Fordham. They played Vince Lombardi when Lombardi was a player at uh, Fordham in the blocks of granite. Three, four, and one, I believe, in games in New York City New York City but uh, this will be the first time Purdue has played uh, in the state of New York upstate New York and Syracuse in the carrier Car- not the carrier dome the JMA wireless d- d- dome on uh, on Saturday but that is one little known fact that uh, you can take with you if you tune into the show you can tell your friends that's a big <laughs> big thing to know Entertain everyone at your tailgate <laughs> yeah, party I, as you get sent to watch the game. Uh, or you or you get dismissed from your t- from your <laughs> uh, tailgate party because of minutia. I don't know. All right. Thanks, Al. All right. Thanks, Kyle. That's a historical look at Purdue and Syracuse. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. This is Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. AZ Pizza is teaming up with Aiden O'Connell on the Aiden's Air Raid Pizza all September long. Aiden likes his AZIP loaded with barbecue, pulled pork, peppers, and Grippos potato chips. AZIP is owned by former walk-on football player Brad Niemeyer with locations in Lafayette, Evansville, Indianapolis, and more. Check it out at AZIPPizza.com. A-Z-Z-I-P-P-I-Z-Z-A.com. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. All right, Tom, let's talk some uh, matchups in this one. Orange versus the Boilermakers. You know, Jalen Graham is out, at least for the next couple of games. I I think that Purdue has to hope maybe that the linebacker, safety, nickel, playmaker uh, can return perhaps for that Minnesota game. Purdue has been able to mask I think uh the fact that he has not been out there but it feels like in this game against that Syracuse offense man you'd really like to have a player with his kind of versatility out there on the field yeah he doesn't leave the field you know he played every defensive snap against Penn State and that was a plan uh, for him going into the year was for Jalen Graham to be a you know an every down player for that defense the leader the alpha uh now he's gone and you're right Kyle they didn't miss him last week against Indiana State, but certainly they could use that presence of number six against a very physical Syracuse offense. Four linemen, Kyle, weigh over 300 pounds. One goes 375. No secret that what they want to do. We talked a little bit about Garrett Schrader already and uh, and Sean Tucker. You know, not only is he a great running back, Sean Tucker, but he also leads him in catches with 10. So quite a weapon. You think Jalen Graham could have really matched up with him, Kyle. Look for Purdue to play more nickel and dime and look for Chris Jefferson 
and Bryce Hampton to be the guys most often playing the quote unquote Jalen Graham role. Hmm. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, defensively, Purdue, I still think, regardless of what Garrett Trader's done this year, Kyle, you, you got to try to stop Sean Tucker, slow him down, and make Garrett Trader still try to beat you throwing on the football, I think. Well, I think so too, especially with the way the Purdue secondary has played. Now, it gave up some yardage against Penn State, obviously, but if you can get a couple of scores on defense and that secondary seems to be able to, you know, it has the physicality, it can, you know, it has the ability, it seems like, to be in the right spot at the right time when the ball is in the air. Man, if you can continue to score in, in atypical ways, whether that's on defense or if Purdue can get something going in the return game, it seems like in a contest like that, like this one, that would go a long way toward a victory. I mean, it's pretty impressive to go back-to-back. What, I think you said before, Ricardo Allen in 2013, that's the last time Purdue's had pick sixes in back-to-back weeks. Is that right? Man, if they could do yeah. it for a third time, that would really be something. Yeah, 2010, I think, was the year. And you're right, that would be something if Purdue could make it a hat trick here. And, Kyle, you mentioned special teams, um, that hidden third of the game. We're still waiting for Charlie Jones to pay off in that respect, right? Um, Jeff Brom has said he thought maybe Charlie had been getting winded because of all the work he's done catching passes. And there's no doubt about it, right? He's That's his value right now is catching passes. Um, if you have to sacrifice return game juice, so be it. But that would be a bonus if you could get some juice from him on punts and kickoff returns. Maybe, maybe that happens this weekend. And, Kyle, I'll tell you what, if this thing comes down to Mitchell Fenner on having to line up and kick a field goal late to win it, you got to like Purdue's chances too, right? I think he's hit 15 of his last 16, dating back to last year, of course. So Purdue's got a return man and a kicker. Maybe those two guys tip the the, the balance of power into their favor on Saturday. All right, this game has bounced around sort of near a pick Started out with Purdue a slight favorite. Might be uh, toward the orange here as we get closer and closer toward kickoff. What say you? Who gets the victory on Saturday? I got Boilers 34, Syracuse 27. I, I think the Boilers find a way to do it. I think because they have that six-year quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, that calming, calming presence, my friend, uh, going against that unique Syracuse defense, he's going to be patient. There's going to be a lot of traffic in the back end on that defense, Kyle, with five D-backs. Aiden's seen it all. He's not going to get rattled by the uh, the crowd of the JM, JMA wireless dome. And uh, he's going to be patient, take what they give him, and then he's going to take his shots downfield. Uh, Storyline I'm watching is to see who, if we get in a, a sidekick who emerges to compliment Charlie Jones. Maybe Syracuse finally takes him away and someone else steps up. T.J. Sheffield, Deion Burks, uh, Tyrone Tracy, Mershon Rice. So that'll be a fun storyline to watch. Or, or Kyle, maybe Charlie Jones catches 15 more passes, sadly. Who knows? But I think the veteran Purdue roster led by Aiden O'Connell allows them to get out of Syracuse with a W, come home 2-1 and one to play at FAU in homecoming. What about Payne Durham? Payne Durham, six catches, two yeah. touchdowns. What do you think? Payne Durham. I like that. I like that. Good call. Four. He's got four catches for 50 yards. And yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a guy I, I, I'm leaning toward as maybe my breakout guy in our picks for that will appear on the website. But I, I, I like I like what you're thinking there, buddy. Maybe in that three three five, he gets some advantageous physical matchups that uh, Purdue is able to take advantage of. I like Purdue too. Similar score. I'll take the Boilermakers thirty to twenty seven. 
over uh, over Syracuse. I, I, I like Purdue on the road. I agree with you if you look at that depth chart for the Boilermakers. It is full of guys who have played. It's a veteran group. It's led by a guy in Naden O'Connell who seems to not get very disturbed by the environment. I think that's one of his better qualities, actually quality that he has had even maybe uh, when he was playing beyond his years um, and beyond his status when he was when he was a walk-on back in the day, um, but certainly has gotten even better of that, it seems, as he has gotten some more experience. So I'll take Aiden O'Connell on the road in this kind of environment. I do think it'll be a good game. I think it's an important game for Purdue uh, if it wants to sort of you know, do what you think it could do this year, and that is get to eight, nine, you know, certainly would have to win, you would think, to get to 10 wins, um, though that might be a, a little bit of a stretch. But, I, you know, an important game, I think Purdue finds a way to pull it out in the end, 30 to 27. Yeah, again, I, I agree with you, my friend. And you're right, you know, back in July, August, we were talking about the season ad nauseum, and, and we all thought this was going to be a game Purdue was going to win. And like you you alluded to here moments ago, Kyle, it's a game Purdue has to really win, I think, if it wants to push itself up into that the Netherlands of nine or maybe a 10-win season. Obviously, no impact on the Big Ten standings. Uh, even if they lose, everything is still in front of them to maybe win the Big Ten West. But still, you'd like a win, wouldn't you? Just to give you more confidence coming home, beat Florida Atlantic, and you're 3-1 and one with that huge October at your doorstep, starting with that game at Minnesota, then that game at, at Maryland. Sounds good, Tom. Thank you. Take care, buddy. All right, that'll do it for the podcast for this week. We do appreciate you listening. If you like the podcast, give us five stars. Also, leave us a comment as well. And thanks to our sponsors, as always. For Tom Deanhart, Ryan Newbert, Alan Carpet, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.